book of 1 John. So you have your Bibles tonight. We'll be in the book of 1 John, chapter number 3. 1 John, chapter number 3. And we have been in 1 John on Wednesday nights for about the last two months. And with the mentality of this, 1 John is the mentality of genuine or authentic Christianity. What it means to truly be a Christian and to truly live like a Christian. And I want us to see some things there. If you've got a, a sheet there, you can look on the back. I try to, some weeks I try to give you a lot of notes where you can kind of see where we're going and, and uh, what we're doing. And some weeks I just give you bare bones. So just because I give you a lot, don't panic on that. But I uh, just wanna, want you to see some things here, maybe a help to you. And uh, we're going to read a passage tonight that, honestly, I've been looking forward to ever since we got stormed out or tornadoed out a few weeks ago. Because I like looking at passages of Scripture that people don't want to touch. And you say, what do you mean? You know, there's certain passages of Scripture, you read it and you're like, ooh, what does that mean? Because that kind of doesn't make sense or that kind of might go against what I think here. And trying to understand what the context of the passage is. And I want us to, I think we should never shy away from Scripture. It should encourage us to dive deeper into it, into a better understanding of it. And I want us to look at some things here in 1 John chapter number 3. Uh, a few weeks ago, we stopped at verse 3, so we're going to read verses 4 through 8. So 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 through 8. And remember, this is written to a church. It's John writing to the church at Ephesus, okay? So this is it's to a congregation, if you would. And so 1 John 3, verse number 4, it says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested, he speaking of Christ, to take away our sins, and in him, speaking of Christ again, is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Let's pray, and then we'll get into our study. Lord, I just pray as we come to you tonight, Lord, that you would just bless uh, the reading and teaching of your word tonight, Lord. Lord, give me exactly what you have for me to say. Lord, take from anything that, that I want that you don't want me to say. And Lord, I pray tonight as we look at your word and we study your word, that Lord, it would not be any philosophy, but Lord, it might be just what does thus saith the Lord. And Lord, I pray you give us wisdom here, give us discernment. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, be in our midst tonight. Just reveal yourself through your word. And Lord, also I pray for uh, those working with the children and the nursery and with the teenagers tonight. Bless those. Lord, give them wisdom. Lord, speak and help uh, those young people and children, Lord, to grow in Christ in the place where they're at. And Lord, again, we thank you for this time we can get together, a time that we can fellowship, a time that we can sing, and Lord, also a time that we can share requests. And Lord, I know this, this room tonight, Lord, is filled with people that have a week maybe that they're tired, maybe they're um, maybe distracted, maybe there's some confusion in their life. But, Lord, I just pray tonight for these few moments that you might just feed us from your word. Thank you for Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. So, if you look at titles, and I'm not a huge proponent of titles, but I think you've got to have them sometimes. But in 1 John here, chapter 3, verses 4 through 8, we're going to look at talking about our lifestyle as a believer. Is my lifestyle righteous or is my lifestyle sinful? You say, is there not an in-between? 
I like to think there's an in-between, but there's not. Don't you say, well, I'm not really a great Christian, but I'm not really a bad sinner either. I'm just kind of good. Well, I think we're going to look at some things here that can be a help to us, some things to understand. And in understanding this passage of Scripture here is I think we have to get to the point and just to dive right in. What I believe John's saying here is this. Because everything he said in the first three verses, and we'll review there in a moment, that we did a couple weeks ago, we get to the point that if we're not living a godly, holy life as a believer, something's wrong. If we're not living and practicing a lifestyle that's pleasing to God, something's wrong. Something's out of sorts. It's kind of like this. If you ever, in your relationship with a spouse, uh, you come around that person and that person is acting like maybe cold-shouldering you a little bit or acting like there's something wrong, and then what do we inevitably ask? What's wrong? Nothing. Are you okay? I'm fine. Man, there's so many definitions of the word fine, the whole attitude behind it, everything behind it. You wonder, and you're like, what is wrong? There's something wrong in this relationship. We're still together. We're still married or still whatever relationship. It doesn't have to be a marriage relationship. It can be any relationship that there's something wrong whenever the lifestyles don't mirror each other, whenever something is interrupted, that harmony, if you would. And what it's teaching here, what we looked at about a month ago, I guess it now is, if I'm not living holy, if I'm not living a life that's pleasing to God, then I'm not doing what the first verse of this chapter says. I'm not living out what I call our sonship. Look, look in verse 1 of this chapter. Just kind of review a little bit here as we jump into it. Remember how it starts? It starts off wonderful. He's talking to me. He says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath given unto us, that we should be called the sons of God. Now, that's not just meant for men in gender. It's meant for mankind, men and women, that we are the children of God. We're the son of God, the daughter of God, if you will. And in that, he's saying if we live lives, by the time you get to verse 4 down to verse 8, he's saying if you're a child of God and you're not living a life that's pleasing to God, then you're not fulfilling your part of the deal. You're not fulfilling what you've been called to do or what you've been made to do. And what he really starts doing, and it's really a tough passage of Scripture, to be honest with you, if you really understand the tone of John. Because John is basically saying this. He's saying, you know what? We have to stop excusing our sin and find a way to live a life that's pure. He's saying, quit living in sin, but calling yourself a Christian. Quit living in sin and quit practicing sin and quit doing all these different things that you know are not biblical and then but want to call yourself a son or a child of God. He said, you can't do it. And so he tells them that you want to be pure. Look at verse 3. He says, And every man that hath this hope, the hope meaning what? The salvation that you're a child of God. He says that hath this hope purifieth himself even as he is pure. So what it's telling me is this, and I know you've got a lot of dashes there you can fill out if you like to. Some of you all love filling out stuff. Some of you don't like it. If you're like me, I like checking off boxes. So anyhow, that's the way it goes. All right. I have this in my notes. It's, as far as this mentality of understanding is we have to start confessing and stop excusing and ignoring. In my life as a believer, when I have sin in my life that I don't deal with, I need to start confessing it, and I need to stop ignoring it or making excuses. Now, wouldn't we all say that, honestly, there are things in our life that we know are not, are maybe keeping us from being pure, keeping us from being holy, keeping us from being who God wants us to be. 
But don't we a lot of times ignore them? Like it's kind of like, it ain't there. I don't see it. It doesn't exist. You ever seen a little kid get scared and the kid does this? If I, if I don't see you, you're not there. What do you tell a kid? Just close your eyes. You know, if you're scared of the boogeyman in the closet, just close your eyes, go to sleep. If you close your eyes, go to sleep. He or it's not there. And we have that mentality of doing that, but ignoring it or excusing it is not what we're supposed to do. He's telling us here, stop making excuses. Start confessing it. Kind of goes back to uh, chapter 1, right? If we confess our sin, and we know how that, the rest of that verse will go. And so we see this mentality here of start confessing and stop excusing or ignoring. And what it basically is this mentality, he's leading up to this. He's saying all the way through these first three verses, he's saying God expects his children to live holy lives. Uh, you that are in the room that have had the privilege and sometimes the heartache and the headache of having children, let's admit you have expectations, right? You do. You have expectations of how you want your children to act, to live, to think, to behave, and their attitude. Because sometimes you don't mind how they behave, but you're like, hey, your attitude right now, you better fix that attitude. You know what you're saying? They may be doing the right thing, but their attitude is wrong. And God expects certain things out of his children that he calls sons and daughters in Christ. He expects certain things. That's why we have Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2 that we know. Um, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, that's H-O-L-Y, acceptable unto God. Then he goes on to say, which is your reasonable service? And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So if I read that very common few verses that we like to run to, there's a, ver there's a word that pops up twice in Romans 12.1 and Romans 12.2. You know what it is? Acceptable. And I think to myself, and this is why this is hard, the way I live my life as a Christian, not as a dad, not as a pastor, not as a friend, not as a man, but the way I live my life today as a son of God, was it acceptable to my father? Ask yourself the same question today. You're like, well, give me about five minutes to get right with him, and then I'll be totally great in answering that question. But if you think about it, God expects us to be holy as I am holy, saith the Lord. And that's hard. And do we live acceptably? And what John is saying here in this passage is that Anything that we do, anything that we say, anything we think that is not pure, that is not holy, is not acceptable to God, who is our Father. And that's why he spends the whole first two chapters of 1 John that we've been looking at. What's been the theme so far in the first two chapters? What has that been? Walk in the light, walk in the light, walk in the light. It continues on. Keeps telling us that we've got to walk in the light. Why? Because speaking of God, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That's the first chapter, verse number 5 that he talks about there. He's constantly telling them that. And then verse 2 of this chapter, he says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And he goes on to say in verse 2, which is awesome. I love verse 2. Verse 2, he goes on to say what I'm going to be. Now that I'm a child of God because of the love he showed in verse number 1 by providing salvation for me, now I'm a child of God. Aren't you thankful that you're, not a, chi that you're a child of God now? You don't have to wait till you die become a child of God. You're a child of God. All the perks, all the benefits of being a child of God you have right now. That's why it says, and now we are the sons of God. And he goes on to talk about what? 
we can't go on to see what I'm going to be. What does it say in the verse? It says in verse 2, And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We don't really know. But we do know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. And I not want to talk about this a lot because I know we looked at it a month ago. But I thought about this. I'm a child of God right now. But one day it says we shall be like him. You ever thought about that? One day you'll be like Christ. Let me ask you, and this is where you can chime in if you like to. If you don't chime in, I'll just keep going. All right. What do you think Christ is like? What do you think? Caring, compassionate. Holy. There you go. We got holy. A lot of things we can think of. Caring, holy, compassionate, loving, forgiving, merciful, graceful, faithful, consistent. A lot of these things we could give are adjectives of Christ, right? And it says we shall be like him, right? And I have in my notes this. If you've ever wondered what Christ is like, and we just listed all these things, are you those things right now? All these different things that we listed, maybe some things that came to your mind. There's an endless list. Merciful, caring, compassionate, holy. We're going to be like him one day. But that's the goal right now, right? To be going towards that way. I'm not going to be Christ as long as I'm in this body. I'm not going to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. If I'm perfect, I'm perfect for like half a second because I think I'm perfect and therefore I have pride and I sin and I'm no longer perfect. Okay, so I just kind of fall. But if I'm one day going to be like Christ, shouldn't I work at that right now? I should work at it now. And, and it's awesome to think about that. And so you come to this of what God expects me to be. He expects me to be pure. So the first three verses are great. Now we're sons of God. One day we'll be like Christ. So we're going to work towards that now. And because of all the wonderful privileges and the potential and the benefits of being a believer, he goes on to this because you ever feel like somebody is just talking to you and they're complimenting you and you know that the sucker punch is coming? You know what I mean? Like they're just, man, you're such a wonderful person. You know, I really appreciate all you do like that. And they just really talk good about some things about you. And you know, but is coming. That's what John does to him right here. He says, let me tell you, you are a child of God. You're going to be in heaven one day. You're going to see him like he is. You're going to be like him. Right now you're a child of God. And they're like, yes, yes, yes. And then he says, all right, now let's look at verse. Now he says, let me show you verses 4 through 8. He says, let me show you the test of your lifestyle. Let me see if you're actually living like a child of God or not. And here we see the test. And this is an individual test. It's not just a test for a church. It's a test for us as individuals. If we claim to know Christ, there are some things that he's expecting. What he's saying here, he even calls them children a lot. He says, he says if you're doing what we just reviewed in verses 1 through 3, then you'll pass this test in verses 4 through 8. Okay? So let's jump into it. Number one. Okay? Talking about the test of our lifestyle. All right. Number one is this. And I don't know exactly how big the blanks are there for you. Sorry, I write small. Okay? So number one, I want us to see this. Is there a practice or a lifestyle of sin in my life right now? Is there a practice or a lifestyle of sin in my life right now? 
you say, why do you have to add the words right now? You ever tell a kid to do something? Hey, I want you to make your bed. Four hours later, they didn't make the bed. Oh, I didn't know when you wanted me to do it. Oh, I wanted you to do it right now is what I wanted you to do it. I wanted you to do it yesterday is when I wanted you to do it. And, and, and a lot of times we hear this, be holy for I am holy. I have a relationship with God that's pleasing to God. And you know what we think? That's going to be a good one day. I'll, I'll get to that. But is there a practice or lifestyle sin in my life right now? Let's read verse 4. Okay, this is the fun stuff. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for, the sin, for sin is the transgression of the law. You say, okay, what is that saying? If you look at that verse, he's not saying if you commit a sin. He's not saying if you commit a sin. He is saying if you have a practice or a lifestyle of sin. If I'm what I, we all talk about habitual sins, right? So what it's saying is if I'm a liar and I lie all the time and I have no problem with lying, I'll lie to you no matter what to defend myself or to make myself look good. If I have a lifestyle of a particular sin of lying, He's saying, you got a problem. And whatever that sin may be, he's saying, you have to understand, it's not committing a particular sin, it's having a lifestyle of that. You ever met somebody, you're like, man, I don't believe anything that comes out of your mouth. I mean, everything you say, I'm like, mm, okay, I probably have to Google this. Okay, just to find out for sure. And it's saying, do you have a lifestyle that you do it? We're all going to sin. Please understand, there's nothing in this passage here that's talking about sinless perfection. The Bible does say a just man falls seven times, but it says he rises up again. But it's talking about if a person continually commits the same sin and has no repentance or regard in their heart, he's saying there's a problem. He says there's a problem here with your sonship. There's a problem here with your spirituality. And, and, and just kind of looking at some things here is my sin, and this kind of goes with if you want to fill in some stuff, my sin is the fruit, but my attitude of defiance against God is the root of what I've done or what I do. A lot of people say, well, the thing of the act of lying, the act of lying, that is the fruit. Okay, that's the fruit, okay? And we say, well, if somebody lies, they shouldn't lie. No, no, no. What that attitude of defying God and continually lying, continually doing with no remorse in your heart, that shows a root problem. That shows a root problem. Uh, kind of like uh, in, in our lives sometimes, uh, in my family situation, Rachel is out of town for a few more days. Um, I would love to tell you that every single day she's been gone, we go through our day, we do our school, we sit around the table, we hold hands, sing kumbaya, and at night we all sit around and pray for each other, and Maggie prays for Grayson's health and well-being, and Noah prays for Maggie's health and well-being, and spirituality, and we all say in Jesus' name, amen, and go to bed. That's a fairy tale land, okay? That doesn't happen. But every now and then, one will mess with the other one. And one will mess with the other one a lot. And one will actually hurt the other one. Okay, I know that doesn't happen at your home, so just forgive me, okay? All right, one will hurt the other one. You're looking to say, hey, don't hurt them anymore. Don't do that anymore. Let me ask you, the act of them pushing their brother or sister down, is that the problem? No, that's the fruit. The problem is there's a root there. There's something there that's not taken care of. Because guess what's going to happen? As soon as daddy's not looking and they think they can get away with it, guess what they're going to do again? They're going to do it again. And that's what I do. And honestly, if you have a practice of sin, you do it too. When you feel like it's okay to do, 
I mean, none of us say, hopefully, hopefully we don't say, God, I know you're watching. God, I know you don't like this, but I'm going to do it anyways. We just ignore and we act like God's not there is what we do. And, and having that lifestyle or practice of sin, and it's, it's a defiant attitude against God. And that's why uh, John says in 1 John chapter 8 and 9 about if we confess our sin and those things, John is saying that when you confess the sin, that's great, but you've got to address the root problem. You've got to address the root problem. In, in this house that we got now over here, uh, I have a flower bed as soon as you pull in right there that's got, I mean, i got grass growing in everything that i got. I mean, if it's pavement, if it's a flower bed, grass is growing beautifully there. I mean, it's just, it doesn't matter. And right before it got cold, you know, I would, I would cut off with the weed eater. I'd chop down a lot of that stuff just trying to make it go away, you know, somebody's coming over. But guess what happened in about three or four days when it rained? It came back up. See, I didn't want anybody to see that I had grass that tall growing out of my flower bed, shrub bed, especially because where it was at, because it was right where you come in the driveway right there, so everybody and their brother's going to be looking at that when they pull in now. Thanks a lot. And so, but you know what I do? I wasn't addressing it. I'd cut it. I may even grab one or two of the things and pull them up, but the only way to get rid of it was to get in there, spend time, get my hands dirty, see what the problem was, and yank out every single root of grass to do i didn't do that so guess what i got sitting there waving at me now in the cold sitting there just that grass there because you know what we do we want our sin not to look bad instead of having the mentality of i need to deal with my sin because i don't want to look bad to god i don't want to look bad to other people so i'll just kind of cut it at the top instead of getting the root out and he's saying you got to take care of the root problem in that and John's basically saying, if you claim to be a child of God, I can't deliberately stay in practicing things that are wrong, that are ungodly. I can't do it because he, he's going to question me and he's, he's going to, to do things in my life to try to help me understand that that's not right. All right, so number one, y'all like feel that was a long time just to get to that. It's okay, we'll keep cruising, okay? So, so number one, we see if there's a practice or a lifestyle of sin in my life right now, okay? If you've got past that one, so you're good. All right, number two. Here's the next question. Am I following Christ's example for me? Am I following Christ's example for me? Now you say, why do you say following Christ's example for me? Because if I think, am I fo or following Christ's example? Well, Rachel's not following Christ's example. Well, Noah's not following Christ's example. Well, so-and-so's not following. No, for me, individually, am I following Christ's example that he gave? Okay, look what he said. You say, what's the example? Verse 5, okay? Look what verse 5 says. And ye know that he, speaking of Christ, was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So, it says here that Christ is our example. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but a great way to understand this a little bit better is to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verses 20 and 21. Give a great example of what John, what John is talking about here. Paul kind of explains it a little bit better, I think, or at least better, I understand it, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, talking about Christ being our example and Christ having no sin, okay? Um, and it's not, a, it's not going to be a contradiction here, but just stay with me. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. So 
Paul's talking to his church at Corinth, talking about they're saved, they're believers, they're following Christ, same thing that John's saying. And 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, there's a lot in verse 21 right there, but I tell you, verse 20 is pretty huge. You know what it says? Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is someone that goes to a foreign land and represents a people or a country or a king that they represent. They have the power to say they have the voice, they have the thoughts, they have the priority, they have the behavior of the people and the leadership that they represent. This is not pretty, <laughs> if you really think about it. Today, you went to work or you went to the store or you, whatever you did today. You were, if you're a believer, you were an ambassador of Christ. Now, the hard question is, what kind of ambassador were you? Did you represent Christ well? I have to tell you, there's a lot of days i got to say no. When you go to your job, when you go with your family, whatever it is, a lot of times we just think, just on a side note, we think, well, when I go out to Walmart here, you know, I'm going to be a good ambassador. I'm not going to lose my cool with a cashier. I'm not going to beat my kid in the aisle, you know, when they deserve it. But what I'm going to do is that we have to understand is that the most important place that you'll ever be an ambassador for Christ at is in your home. To your spouse and to your kids, to your grandkids. That's the best place. If I fail at home, it really doesn't matter what I do out there. As long-term effect. And I think about this. I had, like I said, Rachel, I'm doing some of Rachel's responsibilities this week. Uh, I'm not doing all of them because there's not that many hours in a day. Okay, I can't do all that. Okay, if you listen to that, I can't do everything you do. All right, so, but I want you to understand something. Does it really matter at the end of the day? Does it really matter if I show you in this room who the Lord Jesus Christ is but fail to show it to Rachel, Maggie, Noah, and Grayson, and Chloe? Does it matter? Well, it does matter, but what, who did God give me? Gave me them. And you know what I'm doing? I'm hurting them, the ones I love the most. And I want you to think about that today. You say, Phil, you're trying to make me feel terrible for what I did today. I don't know what anybody did today, okay? So I'm not like, hey, I'm getting you tonight. All right? But ask yourself, you're a believer. You're a child of God. How well did you follow the example today? What kind of ambassador were you today? Not of your home. What kind of ambassador of Christ were you to your home, to your job, to the places that you're at today? There's a lot of days I get to the end of the day and I say, Lord, if I could just restart this day, it'd be awesome. If I could just say the right things, if I could just take that back. But did you notice there in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21? And this, again, is the love of God, right? For he hath made him to be sin for us, okay? The first he is God the Father. For God the Father hath made him, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, to be sin for us. That means this, okay? People can agree, disagree with this. I, I really think this is pretty clear in Scripture here. When Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, 
Remember it says, and the father turned his back on his son, and Christ cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I believe in that moment you had the fulfilling of verse 21. He made him sin. Christ literally became our sin. And he had to become our sin that had to be killed, that had to be paid for, that had to be uh, forgiven. The price had to be paid. You know, Christ hanging on the cross, because what do we say? He died for our sins. But it's interesting how he says he became our sin. Christ became every evil, sinful thing that ever did. Didn't mean he did them. He said he took upon himself that. And am I following the example? It says, and in him was, became sin who knew no sin. And why did he do it? End of verse 21. That we might be made the righteousness of God. You ever sometimes stop and think about that? Christ endured everything he can so we can stand righteous and clean before God the Father. And that's awesome. So because of my salvation in Christ, if he has me stand righteous and clean, he's saying back here in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, follow that example and keep living a clean, keep living a holy life in this. Okay? And I think about this part here is if in Christ... If in him is no sin, back in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, it says, in the verse, says, and in him is no sin. So if in him is no sin, and he came to take away our sin, if that's true, if, if Christ is no, is, there's no sin in him, and he came to take away our sin, shouldn't we resemble Christ? Shouldn't we resemble the one that did that? Um, I have this quote down. If he makes me a child of God... There ought to be an attitude that I shouldn't live in the sin that he came to do away with. If I'm a child of God, then I should live in such a way that I don't live. That means dwell and stay in the sin that, what does it say he came to do? He came to what? Take it away. I shouldn't stay in something he wants to get rid of. And and I have this in my notes, and, and I don't know if I have it down here for you guys or not, but this mentality is this. Um, the idea is this. If, if God has given me this new nature that I might not live in sin, but I might live for him. Think about that. God doesn't, Christ doesn't want you to live in sin. He wants you to live for him is what he wants us to do. And the other, another good way I think of saying it is this. There should never be a time in your life There should never be a time in your life where you sin and where you fail God and it's not a big deal to you. It's not a big deal to you. I'm not saying in the moment you just say it in that way, but you you fall in that sin, you commit that sin, you continue in that sin, and you're acting like, it's no big deal. If that's true, I'm not following this example he's given me. I'm not. There should never be a time that it's not a big deal to me. It should be a horrible thing to me to sin against God and stay. Why? Because I'm a child of God. It's that simple. Because I'm a child of God. That's why. That's why I shouldn't stay in that and have that attitude and a lifestyle. Um, you think about this. What really hurts? You ever, you ever read about somebody uh, doing something? You're like, man, maybe it's a preacher or some spiritual leader and they've and they do some sin, and they or do something, and you're like, oh man, they just why did they do that? Why were they doing that? And a lot of times, when it comes out, they did something. It's not just a one-time act, right? It's like a, 
long trail of it? Why did they stay in it? And what do we normally say? Man, that gives a black eye to Christianity, doesn't it? That's hurting the influence of Christianity. That's why I and you as believers cannot think sin is no big deal. Because we're literally hurting our influence for Christ. Or hurting the cause of Christ in the process of it. All right, we'll skip and keep going here, okay? Number three. All right? So, a couple questions here. Am I following the example for Christ's example for me? Am I practicing or have a lifestyle of sin in my life now? And number three, and this is the hard part, and number three, I just put this down. Here's the bold truth, or here's the honest truth. That kind of sounds like an oxymoron, right? Here's the honest truth. You ever hear somebody say that? I'm going to tell you the honest truth. It's like, well, don't lie to me. But, you know, here's the truth of what, what John finally says is. Okay? Look at the beginning of it. Whosoever abideth in him, speaking of Christ, sinneth not. Ooh. And this is where people, I really think, misinterpret this passage. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. What it is saying here is this. I want you to understand in this, okay? It's saying here, an abiding Christian or a Christian that is living a life that is walking in the light, as we've looked at the first two chapters, okay? A Christian that's abiding in Christ and walking in the light and has fellowship with Christ will not habitually or, habitually or deliberately stay in sin. I won't do it. If I want to abide in Christ, I won't do it. I do it. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I do it. I'm preaching at myself. I do it. Because why? I justify it. And that's why this passage is so stinking hard. He's saying, if you really abide with me, if you really want to call yourself a believer, if you really want to claim... If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That one with another is not me and you. That one with another is me and him. That if I walk in the light, and that's true, you know that he's saying that you're not going to stay in it. You're not going to deliberately do it and stay in it. You're not going to keep running back to it in that. You're not going to keep going back, going back. We've all met people that we try to help in our lives. And maybe for a little while they kind of get their life cleaned up. Maybe for a little while they start doing what's right. And then after just a little while, what happens? Something pops up, something triggers, and they run right back to whatever that bad habit, that sin, that addiction, whatever it is. It's kind of saying here, maybe you aren't a child of God. And that's tough language. I understand that. But I want to look at what the Bible's saying. I'm not talking about salvation by works. I mean, it's pretty clear in Scripture salvation is not by works. But I think there's a whole lot of people in this world that call, call God their father. They got a father. It ain't God, though. Because there's two fathers mentioned in this passage. One is God. The other one you see here in a moment is what? The devil. Well, I'm not really living for God, but I'm not one of the bad people in the world. It says you can't serve God and mammon. That you've got to be serving one or the other in it. And I basically need to get to the point of saying, if I am totally comfortable living in a life that I know is directly against God, and I have no problem staying in it, I might need to double-check that God is my Father. You say, Phil, that is tough. I know, but that's Scripture. It also says in Matthew chapter 7, what? By their fruit ye shall know them. It goes on to say in Matthew 7, I believe it's verse 25, many will say to me in that day, many, Lord, have we not 
in thy name done this and done this and this. And what is he going to say? Depart from me. You're calling my name, but I don't know your name. I don't know you. And that's not a real popular portion of Scripture either. <laughs> but it comes back to true relationship with Christ leads with a life of pleasing Christ. It does. If I want to show a relationship with Christ, I'll show it with a lifestyle of pleasing Christ is what I'll do. Okay? All right. That was fun. Everybody's really happy right now. Okay, good. At least two of you smiled at me. That's good. All right? So um, before we go on to the last point, I want us to see this. Because it says, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither hath he known him. And I have my notes this. Um, is that the Holy Spirit convicts us and if you're a believer, the problem is not the conviction. The problem is not God convicting me in my life. You know what the conviction is? The problem is my obedience to the conviction. I, I mean, I'm a believer. You're a believer. You have the Holy Spirit convict you of your life of things that are wrong. That's not the problem. That's grace. That's mercy. The problem is whether I choose to obey the conviction or not. Kind of like this. You ever warn your child, hey, don't do that. Don't go, don't, don't do that. Hey, you better not do that. This is what's going to, don't do that. They have been convicted. They have been admonished. The question is whether they're going to obey the admonishment or not. That's where our problem really comes in. That's the truth there. All right, then lastly, number four. I appreciate y'all's attention tonight. Um, Let's look in verse number seven, uh, verse number four. I'll, I'll say I'll say the point, and then we'll finish up. Uh, verse number uh, number four is this: My lifestyle reveals. I kind of talked about it a minute ago. My lifestyle reveals who is my father. My lifestyle reveals who is my father. Okay, look what it says in verse seven. Um, little children, let no man deceive you. Okay, he's saying, hey, don't let anybody deceive you. Okay, and he's saying, it goes on, I'll go and read it. It says, he that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. The word doeth there in the middle of the verse 7, it doeth actually means this. It actually is trans, uh, translated the word practice. So it's saying, little children, let no man deceive you. He that practices or has a lifestyle of righteousness is righteous. You know what that also means? He that doesn't practice righteousness he ain't righteous. And it goes on to say in verse number 8, He that committeth sin is of the devil. And it says what? For the devil sent it from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of Man was manifested. He might destroy the works of the devil. And John warns about this. And what he's saying here is this. He says there's something you need to understand. And, and please understand this when I say it. Um, don't be fooled into thinking that you can worship God correctly and live any way you want to. Don't let yourself be fooled that way. There's many a person, you're looking at one that does it every now and then because I'm a simple person, okay? Don't think that you can pick up this book in the morning for your devotions and pray with sin in your life that's unconfessed and worship God in reading your Bible and praying and, and talking to God. Don't think that that really does anything and live any way you want to when you leave there. Don't come to church. Do come to church, okay? But don't come to church thinking, I'm here to get my Jesus, 
and go out here and do anything I want to do. It's not acceptable in his sight. It doesn't show a true identity of who our Father really is. You know, it's an idea. And I understand sometimes people say, you know, i got to get to church. I need Jesus. <laughs> I understand that. But here's what's awesome. If you're a child of God, you can be right with God at any moment. You don't have to make it through these doors. You can be right with God any moment of your life. And, and don't be fooled thinking that you can just worship God and Him accept it. But live any way that you want to in there. And, you know, when we look at this part here, I mean, it's pretty strong language there. In verse number 8, he said, if you commit sin, it's of the devil. He said, the devil was sinning from the very beginning. But I like how he ends this, and we'll finish with this. He says, for this purpose, because of Satan deceiving, because of Satan uh, bringing sin into the world, because of all that, he says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That word destroy there means this. It doesn't mean to annihilate. It means to make inoperable. Christ came to earth, and when Christ died on the cross, he did not annihilate sin, did he? There's still sin in the world, right? But he wanted to render it inoperable where we didn't have to sin. We didn't have to live in sin. My problem is I go and make it work. I operate in it. And when Christ did that, you, you think about it like this. Christ paid for the penalty of sin. And what he's tell, telling us here, that we don't have to be under the power and practice of sin. And that's really what I want us to look at tonight. And I, I do appreciate you allowing me to go on here a little bit with this. But I think this is a passage of scripture that a lot of people don't like. Because what is it? You read it and it says, He that hath sinned doth not know God. Ooh, that means I sin, I lose my salvation. No, so many other verses. But it's saying your life, your practice, your lifestyle. If it's righteous, if you do it righteous, if you practice righteousness, you show whose child you are. But when you don't, that he even goes on to say a little bit deeper. If you continually do that with no remorse in your heart, be sure you be sure God is your father. Because a true believer won't continue nonstop in sin. There will be a chastening. There will be a time that we come back to him. Let's stand together, if you will. We'll close in prayer. And again, thank you all for being here tonight. Appreciate your patience and uh, you being here with us. Hope you have a good week. Again, if you got any questions about anything uh, as far as a teen retreat or something, let me know. And I know, uh, choir, we're going to run through real quick uh, our song for Sunday. But I appreciate you being here. Let's close. Uh, Brother Eric, if you don't mind, will you close this?